Aren't you glad that we've got some people that will step up even when Andy's out and they do a good job this morning? I thought about trying to play the suitcase for a minute, but I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I could crack it. But, uh, pray for Andy there uh, on vacation, a much needed vacation. You have no idea how much he does around here and uh, y'all need to thank him for that. But I'm excited for this third sermon in our series, Remember. Uh, and today we're going to talk about how in order to have a healthy church, we must have healthy families. See, if Christ is not leading your household, then you're on an uncertain path. So far in our series, Remember, we've talked about how we must be functioning church members. We've got to have a place here at our local church. We've talked about how we must be unifying church members, how that we must stifle discord and be a unifying presence in our church. And today we're going to address the home. I'm going to work on the statement that I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Now I realize today that Families come in many different shapes and sizes. We've got single-parent families. We've got blended families. We've got grandparents raising grandchildren. We've got adopted families. But for all the differences and all the challenges, one thing remains the same, and that's that families need Jesus. Families need Jesus. Why? Because parenting is hard. It's really stressful. It's a sacrifice. It's expensive. And sometimes it's even thankless. But eventually you die. <laughs> then it's over. Praise the Lord, right? You got that to look forward to. <laughs> you all weren't sure if you were supposed to laugh there. Huh? <laughs> Honestly, though. In our family, Tori does 90% of the work, so I, I can't complain about it. And the 10% that I do still feels like too much. <laughs> but really, parenting is hard, and we need Jesus. We need Jesus in our families. It's not getting any easier. We've referenced several times so far in our series, Ephesians 5.25, that Christ loved the church and he gave himself and not only is that a model for us as church members, it's also specifically talking about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There it is right there. I found it. Hey, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, husbands, a lot of us like to joke about our wives being submissive and, and hold that over their head a lot. But if we would love our wives like Christ loves us, that submission part and all that will fall into place. The verses directly before these passages about marriage and love and respect say this in Ephesians 5, 15. Right before those... The, the verses about husbands love your wives and wives be in submission. It says this. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this is a a big passage that we just read. Let's break these things down. The very first thing is we have to redeem the time. We must be careful with our time and we must be intentional about how you spend your life. Why? Because the days go fast and we must make the best use of it. Next, it tells us that the days are evil. And because you're a sinner and because I'm a sinner, if we do not pay attention We always, as a person, just are going to bend towards sin. If you've ever watched me swing a golf club, there is always a severe bent in one direction. They call it dog legs or different things like that. I don't know a lot about golf, but I know how to play it poorly. (laughs) But that's what it's like as life as a sinner. And there's nothing that you can do. Without Christ, your life will always tend toward selfishness and egocentric Uh, life and uh, self-centered life and ego-driven life, without Christ, just on cruise control, you will bend towards sin. Why? Because the days are evil. We must pay attention and rely on Christ. Next, it tells us not to be foolish, but to seek God's will and God's way. It's not about your will and what you think and your opinion. Seek God. Next, it tells us do not be filled with drunkenness, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us are like, oh, check mark, I don't get drunk. Hey, but wait a minute, there's another part of that verse. It says we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a convicting thing. To walk in the Spirit, you must be in fellowship with God. And you must be in the Bible. You must be in prayer daily. Ah, oh, Pastor Phil, we've heard that before. Okay, I'm going to be a little bit mean here. Yeah, you've heard it before, but are you doing it? Right? Hey, that's the most simple thing. But if you're not in your Bible every day and you're not in prayer, you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that bend towards sin will come out. Next, it says to worship together and to encourage each other with songs and praise and be quick to give thanks to God for what he's blessed us with. Notice one thing about that verse. It says making melody with your heart. It's not making melody with your voice. That's easy. Anybody can do that. And any, uh, you know, just person that's not redeemed and not saved can sing Amazing Grace. But it's not about your voice. It's about singing from your heart. The heart is the seat of your emotions. What does that mean? Is if you're stoic with your Christianity, if your heart is not engaged, your God's not big enough. Hey, a God that does not engage your heart, it doesn't have all of you. It tells us to sing and to make melody with our hearts. If you notice the fruits of the Spirit, a lot of them are emotions. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, patience. Hey, these are things that should work themselves out in our lives. So if you're the person that just sits there and, you know, never cracks a smile, there's something wrong with your Christianity. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if you don't have joy, there's something that is broken. You need to investigate that. See, I don't think these passages are directly adjacent to the most well-known verses about the family 
and about marriage. I don't think that's an accident. I think these are very applicable to the family. Families, be intentional with your time. Why? Because the days go by too fast. One day your kid's two, the next day your kid's 10, and it happens like that, and it never slows down. Rely on Christ. If you parent from your own understanding, you will fail. Parents need to seek God for wisdom. Parents need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Families need to worship together and give thanks together. All of these things are very applicable to the family. Now, parents, this morning, we've got some hard questions. If you raise your child to be a doctor that doesn't love Jesus, have you succeeded? If your son gets a soccer scholarship but doesn't have a relationship with his maker, is that an accomplishment? If your daughter gets into Yale but doesn't walk with Jesus, is that success? See, don't teach your kids to chase money and power and success. These things are empty, and in the end, it will leave them lost and, and, and looking for something else. And that something else will always be God because you are made to live in communion with your God. So teach them instead to taste God. Teach them that that's what's the most important thing. Yeah, we like to ask our kids whether or not they do their homework, but when was the last time you asked your kids whether or not they read their Bible? You must teach them what the priorities are in life. And what you emphasize is what they're going to emulate. See, it's just being a good person who doesn't leave the the world worse off. Is that what your goal is for a parent? See, I think we need to, to shoot way higher than that. I believe God wants us to shoot way higher than that as we raise our children. To raise them to have an eternal impact on this world and change people's eternal destination. That's a big deal. See, a common problem today is not just that less people are coming to church, but that people are coming less frequently to church. Even the people that we would think are are the most faithful, you see them every other Sunday or once a month. And if we would have everybody that here was in on on a, everybody here today that was here on a particular month, next week we'd have to have two services. Parents, what you emphasize is what they're going to emulate. And if you make it a question, if you make church a question, for them, it's just going to be an option. And I think we see that today in the generation that is coming up right now into adulthood. Church is an option. And for many, it's not even on their radar at all. Because early on, we made it a question. Oh, it's raining today. Oh, the football game's on. Oh, fill in your excuse. See, if God is not a priority, then it won't be a priority for them either. And many times we have been the model for that. But see, if we were committed to the church as we were to the ball field or the dance studio, what would their relationship with Christ look like? Would we be raising Christian young people? See, if you want results, you've got to be here. Last Tuesday, I was able to go to CR, and they had their chip ceremony, and they gave out chips for a month sober or, or three months without uh, becoming, uh, falling to anger or, or whatever, and 18 months, 10 years, 15 years. It was an awesome thing to see. But out, after every single chip, they say this, and that's why... 
there you go. <laughs> and that's why we say keep coming back. Look, I'm here as an example of parents that kept coming back to church, even when they got gossiped about, even when they got offended, even when they got hurt and used, they kept coming back. Tori is an example of some parents when when times got tough, they kept coming back. Andy and Emily and Valerie and Jordan and Brett, these are parents that kept coming back. And why is this church a church that still has 30-year-olds? That doesn't make sense. It's because some parents emphasized church and some people kept coming back even when things went wrong, even when they could have got mad, even when they could have left it all behind and skipped from 20 different churches in a year and eventually just get completely out of church. But no, they decided that they were going to keep coming back. See, we need some parents that will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We need some parents that will say, I will lead my family to be healthy church members. The next chapter in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 1, jumps into the children. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Family is hard. It's hard for children to obey their parents at all times. It's hard for parents not, uh, and, and fathers in particular not to stir up anger and to disciple their children in the instruction of the Lord. It is hard. And without Christ, it is impossible. You cannot do these things alone. So you need to pray together as a family. And hey, men, here's a little quick commercial. Don't be scared to be spiritual. Don't be scared to pray with your family. Don't be scared to be the spiritual leader. A courageous man will bow his knee to the one that made him. How are your kids going to know that you love Jesus unless you show them? You must model what a relationship with God looks like. You cannot, men, you cannot outsource a relationship with Christ to a pastor or to a youth pastor. It does not work. You have to be the spiritual leader. You need to worship together as a family. You must show them how much you love Christ. Now, maybe your spouse isn't a Christian, you got to show them Christ in your unconditional love towards them. Because your unconditional love will model Christ's unconditional love for them as well. You need to train your children how to love the church. Prepare them for the fact that church members sin. Church members mess up. Teach them that membership is about giving and not about getting. And if they get with, upset with the church, remind them that unconditional love is hard. Christ died for us even when we were sinners. And find a way to serve Jesus together as a family. And here's a quick little uh, commercial that uh, membership is a requirement for leadership in Clarksburg Baptist Church. But honestly, why wouldn't you want to be a part of this body of Christ? See, God set up the family in a way to tell us more about himself. 
Not only does marriage life reflect our relationship with Christ, but our relationship with our children also reflects our relationship with God the Father. Francis Chan said this. He said, I came to understand that my desire for my children is only a faint echo of God's great love for me and for every person that he made. I'm just an earthly sinful father and I love my kids so much that it hurts. But how can I not trust a heavenly father, a perfect father who loves me infinitely more than I will ever love my kids? See, just like you want your kids to succeed, God wants what's best for you. Uh, well, something I would tell the teenagers almost every week is God's way is the best way. God's way is the best way. There is no other way to live. And just like you want your kids to avoid pain and loss, God wants you to avoid the pain and loss of sin and the consequences of sin. And just like you want to connect with your kids on a day-to-day -day basis, he wants to connect with you. See, our longing for our children is the longing that God has for us. See, God wants you to lead your children, or God wants to lead you so that you can lead your children. And God wants to love you unconditionally so that you can love your kids unconditionally. And he wants to give you wisdom so that you can give your kids wisdom. Every good and perfect thing comes from God, and that includes good parenting. Once again, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child, and away he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we need some parents that will say, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to pray together for our church. We're going to worship together at our church. We're going to serve together as a family and love our church unconditionally like Christ loves us unconditionally. Remember in Ephesians 5.15, it showed us that we need to be intentional with our time. The days go by too fast. We need to rely on Christ because if you parent from your own understanding, you will fail. We need to seek God's wisdom in our day-to-day -day life. We need to be filled uh, with the Spirit as a parent. We need to worship together as a family and serve together and give thanks together. There's something that's strange that is a kind of an epidemic in our churches today that uh, men won't sing. It's weird, right? You put on that old Elvis record, I bet some of them will sing, but if you're singing Come Thou Found, it's another story. Hey, don't expect your kids to do what you won't do. Don't, ex don't expect to praise. Now, yeah, okay, I get it. You, you don't have a great voice, but you better be singing quietly at least. <laughs> singing from your heart. Why? Because there's people that are watching you, and there's people that are following you. Noah gave me this when he was in pre-K, I think. It says, Barry Best Dad, with a little picture of a bear at the bottom. It's pretty cool. Uh, but I've had this on my desk uh, and in my office for two or three years now. Um, and I'm going to reveal this to you. It's kind of great. My, my son is eight now. He was, I guess, five. He's eight. Next month, he's eight. Can I just say he's eight? She keeps, she keeps correcting me every time I say that. I skip ahead. He's 12. She doesn't want him to grow up. That's what it is, yeah. Anyway, so he's seven and almost eight. Thank you, Tori. Uh, but here he was five. Correct. Okay, good. But uh, I don't know if you see the size of that footprint. 
but uh, he's size six in men's now, the same size as my dad, who's 66 or something like that. How old is my dad? She doesn't know that. <laughs> Let me read you this little poem, because every single time I read it, it, <laughs> it hits me in my daddy's heart. It says this, walk a little slower, daddy, said a child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who will want to follow me. And I will want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, daddy, for I must follow you. We've got people that are following us. We've got people that are watching us. We've got children that are walking in our footsteps. Moms and dads, you have to live life intentionally. It goes fast. You need God's wisdom. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Grandparents, you have a great opportunity to influence your kids and influence your grandkids. Aunts and uncles, you have an opportunity to emulate Christ for your families. Brothers and sisters, you've got a great opportunity to walk slowly and show them Christ in your life. And maybe you don't have a family yet, but you can decide right now and prepare now for what God has for you in the future. Maybe your children have left the nest, but you don't know what it would mean for you to come alongside a young mother and father and to pray with them and to mentor them and to encourage them. Hey, that's how community is supposed to work. And this is the only place that we get that anymore. And if it doesn't happen here, it doesn't happen at all. Hey, we've got to have older generation coming alongside the younger generation and saying, hey, let me encourage you. Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. Let me show you what God's word says. You can affect the future. Mentor them and pray for them because that's how church is supposed to work. A community of believers striving together to be like Christ. The band's going to come this morning. And we're going to stand to our feet, if you would. I'm going to challenge parents this morning. I know this is a little weird. I know it's a little awkward. Maybe your kids aren't here. Maybe the family situation means your kids are in another state. But I'm going to challenge you this morning to come down and dedicate yourself at this altar to have Christ be the leader of your home and to say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. I will lead my family to be healthy church members. Why? Because you have some little ones that are following you and you need wisdom and your household needs Jesus because everything else in this world is empty. And if you miss this, you missed it all. Now as they quietly play, I'm going to invite you families to come down and pray. And then I'm going to invite also some older families. Maybe they've got the kids that are already out of the nest. I challenge you to go find a young family and say, hey, let's go pray. Why? Because they need Jesus and you need Jesus. 
And we need to dedicate ourselves that I will lead my family to be a healthy church member. Titus 2 tells us that older women are supposed to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. Older men are to urge the younger men to be self-controlled, to show yourself in all respect and to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech. See, these things don't happen by osmosis. Older men, if we don't teach the younger men, it's not going to happen. Older women, if we don't teach the younger woman how to, how to raise their children and love their and tell them that they need Jesus, it won't happen. Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who'll want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. We sang a song earlier that said, we're prone to wander. Our families need Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray over these families this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you help us. God, we need you. I need you as a father. It makes no sense to me that I'm able to raise kids. God, you know that I have no idea what I'm doing. God, but I know that you know all the answers. And I pray you help me to chase you so that my children would learn to chase you. God, I pray for the marriages this morning, God, that may be strained. God, there may be someone in this room today that's thinking about calling it a quits. God, but we know that it's your will to reconcile those relationships. Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, even when people don't deserve it. Why? Because the marriage is a picture of the gospel. And you gave us your love when we didn't deserve it. God, I pray for some children, maybe older children in this room this morning, God, that their relationship with their parents is just non-existent. God, I pray that they would show their parents that unconditional love that you have shown us and model what Jesus did for us through their love for their parents. God, they, you know that there's many that don't deserve forgiveness and they've done terrible things and they've hurt. God, but I pray you help us to forgive because you forgave us. God, we pray for those families, God, that are struggling with a teenager or a child. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom, give us patience. Give us grace. God, we love you, Lord. And we need you in our families.